Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home What's up, Montana? Welcome back into Nuanez Now, one-stop shop for all things sports each and every weekday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, 4 to 6 p.m. Maybe you're watching it in SMX Montana Television. Missed anything in the first hour of the show is the Montana Football Hour. We talked a whole bunch of Bobcat football. Montana State wrapped up spring uh, drills this last weekend um, with the Sunny Holland Spring Classic. Heard from Brett Vegan on a variety of different topics. So if you want to find any of that from the Montana Football Hour, go ahead and check out the podcast. You can find the podcast, any and all of your podcasting platforms, just N-U-A-N-E-Z. That'll get you there. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. The podcast presented by Sports Bet Montana, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Blackfoot Communications. Want to listen anywhere in the world, your mobile device, your computer, your tablet, whatever, Go to our station website as well, 1029ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live and you will find the stream. If you want to give us a call, shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. A text from last week, this is what we're actually going to lead with right now because I think this is good. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me. And uh, sorry we didn't get to this till now, but hopefully uh, you're still out there listening. Uh, the text was, what is the status of number 37 with the Grizzlies, and when will they name the next 37? And I think this is one that we don't necessarily have the answers to, Riley, but it is an, it, it's an interesting discussion. So for those that don't know the tradition, 
I don't really know how. <laughs> I don't know how you don't know what it is by now. But regardless, uh, and back in the mid-'80s, um, Kurt Paulson, who was from Plentywood, Montana, he was a great fullback for Montana and then went on to become Montana's defensive coordinator years later, he handed off his number 37 to one Tim Houck. Timmy was a uh, product of Big Timber and went on to become one of the great Grizzlies of all time, which then started this tradition of number 37 being handed down. And for a long time... Well, always it's gone since Paulson, a fullback, handed it to Tim Halka safety. It has then gone to a Montana player who plays defense. There's not a specific rule set here. That's just been what the tradition has been. I've heard arguments around the community in recent weeks. It has to be a defensive player. I don't know if that's necessarily true. It has to be a Montanan. That part is true. It has to be a guy from Montana. But how do we define who is from Montana? <laughs> that's where this gets interesting because I do think that there's several. And the other thing is that the person that wears 37, he chooses the next 37. So before we get into some of the nuances of this, have you heard anything? Is there any news on the horizon? There is no news on the horizon when it comes to 37. I, they keep this thing... <laughs> Pretty darn secret, even behind closed doors inside the athletic department. I have no idea. I just asked Coach about the timeline beforehand, and he told me that nothing was going to happen in the spring. So we're waiting in flux of what's going to happen at this point, and uh, it is interesting, the defining factors that make up 37. Is it, do you have to be born in the state? Do you have to go to high school in the state? Do you... What do you claim is your hometown? Do you? How many years have you lived in Montana? It can get a little messy, and I think that when we talk about these traditions being, I mean, I don't know. It gets to how many people care about this right now? A lot. A lot of. A lot I've of had people. a lot of people ask me about who is going to be the next thirty-seven. So I guess the long answer or the short answer is no. I I don't know who it's going to be. I'm. With you, I, I can tell you probably the top three candidates for 37, but I, I don't know who it's going to be. And I think a big piece in this, too, and I want to get your take on it, and especially for those that are listening out there, either text or call the show, is should this be a true legacy number where you pass it off to someone that can have it for multiple years? Because the trend has now went to more of one-year guys. Right. And, and I don't think, and this is the only, and I'm not, Choosing one one way or another. All I'm saying is the tradition of 37 was not intended, Coulter, for it to be a one-year, 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 kind of just a badge of honor. So I think that's just another factor that maybe goes into all of this. The the ceremony of this passing on will be sort of lackluster as well, only just because of circumstance. Usually... Uh, the former 37 gives it to the new 37, like at the spring game or, you know, when you wrap up fall camp or whatever, whatever it might be. But it's usually you know, in person. Well, now Jesse Sims, who has is the holder of 37 currently, he has not been a part of the Grizz football team since his last game in December of 2019. I know he's still around town. I know he's working as a trainer here. He's helping out the high school kids, you know, getting everybody in shape. But by the way, probably no better kid you want or no better guy you want your kid to train with because that guy was oh one of the great gosh. weight room warriors of all time yes. for the Grizz. But regardless, um, there's a lot of stuff that I, I have a lot of thoughts about this, actually. I've thought about this a lot. To me... In its essence, the the tradition of 37, and again, there's not some like rule book that defines all this stuff. So whoever the guy wants to pick as the next guy, that's great. But I also think that, and, and I think that every guy that's worn it has worn it with great pride and represented the number well. But I think that 37 is the most fun when it's an underdog type guy from a small town in Montana. 
I mean, I grew up with Jordy Tripp my whole life. He's he's like a brother to me. And he did have a great story being the kind of a partial scholarship guy that went on to become this NFL draft pick. But he's not that much of an underdog because he's 6'4", 250, and he runs like the wind. I mean, he's he's about as good as it gets. I mean, Zach Wagerman, another guy that developed late, whatever. But these guys, are, these guys aren't necessarily the, the, uh, the Tim Houks of the world or the Jace Lewis's of the world. And I think that's what... The, the the tradition of 37 sings way more when it is that sort of small town, uh, lunch pail, underdog type guy. I also understand, too, though, why maybe it did gravitate in a different direction. Because this was passed on to a guy that was going to wear it for two or three years, pretty much each of the first probably eight to ten iterations of it. But then what happened was when C.J. Pitcher got it, his career was marred by injuries. He had a good career. But he didn't fully get to fulfill his potential because he hurt his knee multiple times. Then a couple, I guess two iterations later, Carson Bender gets it. And Carson Bender looked like he was going to be an All-American type player. And then, you know, the infamous back and forth between Weber State and Montana. We do not need to get into that. But that was one of the ugliest things that ever happened in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, eye for an eye, to be sure. And it was not good. But Carson Bender was the was the victim of what a lot of people would call a pretty controversial cut block that then blew out his knee and he was never the same. I think that's the worry is when you got you got the dude who is the small town Montana guy who's wearing 37 for multiple years and then he gets hurt and then what does that do to him? What does it do to the pressure that he's under? You know, if you have the guy that's like by the time Bender was a senior, he wasn't really playing because he was so busted up. And and then all of a sudden he's getting interview requests. He's getting bothered all the time. What's wrong with this guy? Why isn't he fulfilling the legacy of 37? I think it puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on kids that it's maybe outside their circumstance. So on one hand, I do see, you know, giving it to the healthy guy who's going to be a star, like a Zach Wagaman going into his senior year, or Jordan Tripp going into his junior year or whatever. But then I also kind of miss the the romantic side of of the the small town guy like Lord Utterback from Fort Benton, and they getting to wear it for four years. I, I love the underdog mentality too, and there's guys that are littered all over the roster that I think I deserve it. Number one, but to me, this is a big this is a leadership thing too. Sure. I think you want to pass this along in the locker room to someone that is going to carry the torch of it. Is it more of carrying the torch and being? More of a team leader, and the bad, or is it more of a badge of honor for just a one year? Okay, you were really good your first three years, and we're we're going to attach names to situations now because everyone's wondering it. But is it a Jace Lewis, someone that was the underdog all the way through, now is emerging to an All Big Sky player, but now he's the Big Sky MVP, and he's from Townsend. Does he get it for his senior year? Right. Is or is it more of okay? We need to pick a, an underclassman that has the potential to be a Jace Lewis and give it to him for two years because we've got faith, you know, that he can be the guy, and then that's where you go the underdog route. You're Garrett Graves, you're Braxton Hills. I mean, so... Marcus Wellnow. Marcus Wellnow. I mean, I'd even put Patrick O'Connell in the conversation. He's an underdog to me. I mean, he went to Mary and went to play baseball, came here as a walk-on, led the team in sacks last year, playing 50% of the reps, and now he's going to get more. So there's a lot of different options. It just... It gets messy, and I, I don't know if messy is the right word, but it, controversial. I guess it's controversial yeah. for a variety of different reasons. Well, and then you throw in a guy like Robbie Houck to the mix because uh, on based based on makeup and where he's his, his lineage, uh, he's a guy that could be in the mix. Robbie Houck didn't go to high school in Montana, though, but he was born in Missoula, if I'm not mistaken. And hometown on the roster is Missoula, Montana. And, and it's not as if he doesn't have deep, deep Montana roots. I mean, you're talking multiple generations of Houks in Montana from their Butte roots through, you know, both Missoula and, and Big Timber and, and all of that. But then 
there's just so, it gets so muddled when it gets to that point because if Robbie Hawk was to get number 37, then there's going to just be a lot of scuttle about that because he would be the first player to not play high school football in Montana to wear it. Although he is a Montanan, certainly identified by himself and his family roots. And then you also then you just have the family ties and his dad being the coach and all that. And so I just I don't really know where you go from there because if Robbie Houck just would have went to to Big Sky or Loyola or something, it's just no brainer. It's, it's Robbie Houck, the thirty point. he's thirty seven, right. right? And right. so I don't know. I think it is it is sort of a, uh, an interesting situation. Well, come on, it's storybook. I mean. Uncle was the For second sure. 37. I mean, Dad is the all-time winningest coach. And as he wears 37, he will more than likely become the all-time leading tackler. Come on. I mean, it's, it's he story, wore, bro. He wore 37 in Northern Arizona. Yeah. Like, that's what he knows. Yeah. He knows the number. He wants the number. So, exactly. Uh, it'll, it will be interesting. Thanks so much for the That's text, a great though. question. Yeah. And we're yeah. all, hey, we're all waiting on the edge of our seats with you. And I think every single person has their own definition of what 37 means to them. And in some fashions to me, Coulter, that's what's so cool about this. Who's your favorite 37? Oh, man. I, I mean, it's interesting for me because a lot of those, oh, that's lot of so those hard. Missoula guys, that's so hard. A lot of those Missoula guys are guys that you know they were like they're my brother's age, so right. I like knew those guys growing up, and and so you know I, it's not. I, I don't know what to. I don't know how to describe this. I just knew them as like little brothers. So right. like it was very cool for me to watch Zach Wagaman and Wagaman and Trip back to back. Like those two guys really stand out to me. But I never thought of those guys as heroes because they're no. close enough to me. It's not that they're not, and I'm sure there's plenty of little kids out there that did think those guys were heroes. Yeah. It was just a weird age thing. I always just looked towards the two guys that I thought were just so sweet that wore 37 <laughs> that I that I just idolized so much were Todd Erickson, Mr. Butte Montana, and uh, Andy Pedic. Okay. I was wondering if you're going to say Carson Bender, if he was going to be in the mix. Well, Carson Bender dunked on my head so hard during intramural <laughs> basketball one time that I, uh, I don't know, I had, I, 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 I had a salty taste in my mouth after he dominated me. But no, regardless, I, I always felt bad for him because of his injuries. And my favorite personal 37 is Lauren Utterback, Utterback, because him and I hang out during the summers. Go Utter, up to Utterback's Fort a good dude, man. He is. He's, uh, is he still doing pharmacy? Yeah. Oh yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, those those underback boys were those guys were fun. Brandon was my age, and we played uh, all star game football and all that stuff together. So, uh, very cool. Nuan is now one hundred two nine ESPN Missoula statewide TV SWX Montana TV. The NFL draft is on Thursday. We will have all the coverage right here on ESPN Radio. It will also be on ESPN uh, National Television as well. Uh, it can start at 6 p.m. If you need a place to watch the draft or you want to go watch any other sports that are going on, whether it's Major League Baseball or the NBA or anything in between, the Silver Slipper has 55 TVs for you to watch all the sports. Drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and Tarantino's Pizza. There's nowhere else. You should be watching your favorite team or the NFL draft. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. Card rooms also back open with games at 7 p.m. nightly. To get into the games, all you got to do is call or text 333-1500. That's 333-1500 or visit MissoulaPoker.com. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. Okay, let's talk about uh, Riley Corkin, Voice of the Grizz, by the way, joining me in studio. Let's talk about the FCS playoffs a little bit. I was caught up doing uh, spring drills, and then also I was uh, ca- doing a little bit of a an interview for a documentary. We'll tease that a little later on, but th- that was fun, sitting in the chair, kind of being the guy that gets interviewed. Uh, so we'll give you more details on that a little bit later on. Um, but that's all to say that I didn't watch much. I was following it on Twitter, but I didn't really watch much of the uh, FCS playoffs, particularly Eastern Washington 
at North Dakota State game or the Illinois State versus Weber State game. Southern Illinois, excuse me, versus Weber State game. Uh, both Big Sky schools lost. Both jumped out to big leads early and then both lost. And so, to me, it just seems like such a lackluster ending to what was a lackluster spring. I mean, you basically have these teams that were rolling the dice, playing in this battle of attrition, chasing titles and awards that have questionable validity, and then they go, both of them go one and done in the playoffs. So what say you in terms of recapping the Big Sky Conference and the FCS playoffs? Oh my gosh, because this kind of fits the narrative for what I've been thinking about the spring season I, I for the last two months of watching it. But for the Big Sky, you can only, the only conclusion you can come to is it was unsuccessful, right? I mean, right. you go through it, you've got teams that opt out in between. Your two best representatives lose to Missouri Valley teams. When What's the goal of this thing? To try, whether it's a watered down field or not, to have a team advance and go deep a little bit. The Big Sky had two teams in there with Weber and Eastern, but I mean, you looked at their matchups. Weber State was the only home team to lose. That, that was one of my big takeaways. I watched five to six of these eight games that happened on Saturday, and Weber was the only home team to lose. It seemed that the other teams really flexed their muscles, at least the home squads. It, it was, honestly, Coulter, it was separation to me, is the top four seeds all won in pretty much blowout fashion. Sam Houston State's game was pretty close. North Dakota won in blowout fashion. I think the best way to say it is that the Big Sky just doesn't have a team Definitely not in the top five, but arguably probably not in the top ten or, or right there in that fringe area. Um, and I thought at least ones that didn't play this spring or that did play exactly this spring. that, and that's going to lead us into a really fun discussion as far as what Montana and Montana State did in the spring compared to let's just say the top two from the Big Sky in this spring. Let's just call it what it is. Montana, Montana State, Weber State, and Eastern. How does what happened the last six weeks, particularly what's happened the last three weeks with how the Grizz looked, how the Cats are coming together compared to the fall of Eastern, who knows what's going to happen with the transfer portal, and Weber State, who, you know, I've been saying all spring they haven't been that impressive, and then they go up by 14 and lose late to Southern Illinois. So I would say unsuccessful at the Big Sky Conference and kind of one of a head-scratcher when you start to think about it all in a big scope. Uh, Eastern Washington was up, I believe, what, 21-7? 20-7. to They missed the extra point. And after that, it was 35 straight points for North Dakota State. They ran the ball at will. 26 straight run plays against Eastern in the second. I mean, Eastern was depleted, and it just, especially defensively, and NDSU just grinded it out. They they were never worried down 20 to 7, but the Weber game is one that was more entertaining. Weber State was up 14 nothing. Yep. And, and 21-7. And 21-7 and they end up losing 35-31. Few few things here. First of all, I know that I have been really hard on Eastern Washington. That's because it's a team that I've followed and covered more closely than any team in the entire league besides the Montana schools for a variety of reasons. I Got to become uh, pretty close professionally with Bo Baldwin when he was there because of my ties and his ties to Central Washington. Then when he went from Central to back to Eastern, Ellensburg was only, uh, I don't know, 120 miles from Spokane, maybe 150 miles, uh, less than two-hour drive. And so I didn't have 
uh, when I was covering Central, we didn't really have the travel budget for me to be going to Humboldt State and Dixie State, so I would just drive over to Eastern sometimes to cover them. So I've been covering the program pretty uh, in-depthly for a while, and then obviously there was a couple years there where Montana, Montana State didn't make the playoffs, so I'd be going over the mountain to Cheney um, to cover the playoff games when Eastern was on their great playoff runs. To me, though, everybody's always hating on my takes that Eastern Washington has taken a step back. And you want to know what I see? It has nothing nothing to do with the offensive skill positions. They're always going to be able to get great offensive skill position players. Eric Berry is the best quarterback in the country. That gives you a chance. That wide receiver trio among the best in the Andrew country. Andrew Boston. Oh, my God. Talimo Jones. Talimo Jones. Yeah, I mean, they're really good. They have good running backs. There's the thing, though, is this is where this is what makes me so mad about football and football coverage and the way it robs the common fan of so many portions of the game that I think are incredibly important that are hardly ever spun by the national narrative, whether you're talking about the NFL or college or high school or anything. Eastern forever had the best quarterbacks in the league because they had the best offensive line in the league, too. And it's not your traditional ground-and-pound blow you off the ball, but they always had multiple pro offensive tackles that can help mitigate the pass rush, give the quarterback time. I don't see that level of talent. I think Tristan Taylor right now there is good. But they don't have a Jake Rogers or a Clay DeBoard or an Aaron Neary or a guy that's going to go get drafted, you know, a Michael Roos. I mean, Eastern's best offensive lineman is a guy that gets drafted. I mean, that's that's how good they've been on the offensive line for 10 or 15 years. So you wonder if they can get that back because their, their head coach, Aaron Best, is an offensive line guy. So you wonder if they can return to that level. But the other thing is everybody can say, well, Eastern never played any defense. When you're scoring 45 to 50 a game, you have to play a defined defensive style. And when Jeff Schmetting was the defensive coordinator there, Eastern was really, really good in terms of takeaways and buckling down in the red zone. And they always had elite defensive talent, even if they weren't elite defensively as a unit. Eastern's had multiple Big Sky Conference MVPs on defense. You know, guys like, I mean, Matt Johnson was a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, JT Tallulie, who was the uh, Big Sky MVP a couple years back when Eastern went to the National Force Championship Force on the line. I mean, he's an interior defensive yeah. lineman, and you can say they don't play defense. Well, this guy's a nose guard winning best defensive player in the league. So, um, you know, Greg Peach won the Buck Buchanan Award. I mean, they've had a lot of guys. J.C. Sherritt was a Buck Buchanan Award winner. They've had a lot of dudes who are really elite talent levels. And I also just don't see that. I think that they're okay on defense, but I don't see that. It, they used to have six to eight of the best defensive guys in the league, and I just don't see that. And so that's why I think that they, their talent is taking a step back. When does that start to impact their results? And is it fair or foul to just compare the situation, what's going on at Eastern? I know we've talked about it probably ad nauseum here, but look at what happened with the men's basketball team, the women's basketball team, and just the lack of knowing the future right now in Cheney. What does that do for a trickle-down process, when we're talking program and big picture, is Eastern Washington the top four team in the league? They keep Eric Berrier? Yes, they still are. But it's close. It, it, to me, Coulter, this feels like it's a very considerable breaking point for Eastern. They are close in the next year or two to either keeping it going and staying in the upper echelon yep. or potentially falling back to the middle of the path and wondering what are we doing here. And I think it's going to be a critical year or so. Well, there's also going to be so many different things that are outside of their control that might fall into it as being a disadvantage. First of all, their best defensive player already left the team. Chris Odom was their best defensive guy, in my opinion. I, I had him as a first-team All-League guy when he was a sophomore. I thought he was really talented outside linebacker. The other thing here, though, is <laughs> this upcoming summer is going to be the most lawless and crazy summer 
ever when it comes to the the transfer wire. Just wake me up in August because it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare because you have you have all these Power Fives and all these FBS programs. They're trying to figure out who's doing what. How does the extra year of eligibility work? How are we going to pay for it? Are the roster limits going to be expanded? How many guys can we have on our roster? If we can have 125, but we right now we got 135 signed up, who are we getting rid of? Every team in the country is going to have to figure out how to fit into whatever the defined rules become, and therefore there's going to be just attrition, just widespread. It's going to be unanimous. Every Division One team is going to have attrition. 10 to 15 guys that are, boom, into the portal. Well, then how does that affect the way you construct your roster? If you know you're 15 guys oversigned, but all of a sudden you know there's going to be 10,000 players that hit the portal, then maybe you'd treat it like you're 25 guys oversigned. And you go out and you, you, you're you going to get rid of 25 guys and go pick up the 10 best guys you got. The other thing that's outside of Eastern's control is, okay, let's just say for conversation's sake, 10,000 guys hit the portal. That's a gigantic exaggeration. That's not going to be how many there really is. But let's say there is. If you're a program that's in the market for certain things, how do you pare that down? Well, by position, but then by prestige. If Eric Berrier wins the Walter Payton Award, which which he probably will, for this spring season, now he's got a resume that's out there to the world. First, he's got to enter the portal, and we're completely speculating. We're not saying he's going to or not going to, but I I think that there's a chance just because of, like you said, the stuff that's gone down at Eastern across the athletic department uh, in recent weeks and months. But then Barry, all of a sudden, his resume rises way up to the, the at least the middle of the stack because he's now the top FCS guy and definitely in uh, competition with. And some look of the, where the, the top FCS guys of what particular Eastern Washington quarterbacks? Right. I mean, the levels of the Pac-12, the upper levels of the Mountain West. I mean, uh, those are desirable destinations that Eric Barry. How about San Diego State? What, interesting. What could he do at San Diego State? I mean, well, here's the here's the thing: is if you're going to transfer, you better go win that job because I think it's the stupidest thing in the world to leave a championship caliber team, which we and saw. Then go sit your ass on the bench. That's the dumbest thing in the world, man. Kevin Thompson was a Big Sky MVP and he led Sac State to their first ever Big Sky title, and then he goes and sits on the bench at Washington. Dumb. It's would, dumb. Would you say Prukop kind of goes in that category as well? Yeah, I know he started. Prukop, but- Prukop, I think is a different situation only because he went to play for a coaching staff that was on the hot seat. And then they, to try to save their bacon, they Bailed. benched him and went with the freshman, and they still got fired. And that freshman? Justin Herbert. was Justin Herbert. <laughs> well, the irony is that Mitch Herbert, Justin's brother, is Dakota Prukop's best friend. So Dakota Prukop got benched for his best friend's little brother. <laughs> and then still made it to the professional leagues. He's still wow. in the CFL. But regardless, Gage Goober to Washington State. It's dumb. It's dumb to go sit on the bench. Stay where you're at. Unless it's just a completely toxic situation, stay where you're at the, and win, man. The grass is not always greener. It really it's, is Especially not. when you're sitting on the bench. It's definitely not greener when you're sitting on the bench. We're going to keep talking about this because I think this is compelling. I want to talk about Weber State as well. So keep it right here. Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, in with me, Coulter Nuanez. It's Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. SportsBet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for SportsBet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. 
Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. More Ozzy all the time. Love me some Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> and some Black Sabbath. Hope everybody enjoys all of my musical musings. I had so much fun on Friday because we had our good buddy Regime Seabrook in studio. I heard that he got bit by a spider or something. Dude. <laughs> Was that Dude. fun to look at? I'm telling you, of all of the ways that you could inflict pain on a human, and I'm not exaggerating... You could hit me in the face with a baseball bat. You could run over my foot with a car before I would want to have what happened to him. And this is purely because of my arachnophobia and my fear uh. of of uh, decaying flesh. Not to get too far out there, but Regime got bit by either a brown recruits or a hobo spider, one of the two, and his foot got infected. And then the venom of those things, they make your flesh actually die. So he had to have like major surgery to get it scooped out. Really? I walk in here, and he's, you know, Regime, he's like the most happy-go-lucky, yep. happy guy ever, and he's sitting in the corner, and I was like, what's up, dude? And usually, he always gums up, gets, gives you a big hug, and he's like, what's up, man? I'm like, what's going on? He's like, dude, I just had surgery. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, he like shows me this picture. Oh, my God. I'm serious, dude. I would rather have anything in the world happen to me than that. It's God. my absolute nightmare. I went home and told my roommate, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're getting the house sprayed for spiders tomorrow. That is, that is not flying around here. We we're getting oh. fumigated for sure. So regardless, uh, heal up. Regime. I was going to say, I hope he's doing well. First yeah. off, as we yeah. go like, holy smokes. Yeah, heal up regime for sure. But we had a great time on Friday because uh, I like to specific, I know regime's music taste very well, and I like to specifically curate the playlist for him. And Reese was back there killing it for us as our uh, uh, requisite DJ. So we had a bunch of great conversations about old school rap, and we'll be doing that more often throughout the summer. Regime will be swinging by uh, every Friday. Listen to Nuanas now. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas. It's 1029 ESPN Missoula. We're going to get some NFL draft here in a minute. But first, going to continue talking about this FCS uh, spring playoffs in which the Big Sky did not fare well. Both Neither Big Sky team, Eastern Washington or Weber State, got a seed. Was Oh, let's go. First, though, we got to do this. We got to pivot. We got to go uh, to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in one Tommy Evans, the illustrious, uh, I don't know, we're just going to say executive producer of this show because he makes all the radio stations here at Missoula Broadcasting Company go around. What do you got, Tommy? Hey, uh, I'm sorry I'm a little late to the party, but I just had to chime in here. Arachnophobia is nothing to be joked about, man. There's nothing worse on this planet, in my view, than spiders. Nothing. And the fact that someone I know has to deal with a spider thing is going to give me nightmares for a week. It's this is the worst thing I've ever heard come out of your radio show, and I've heard some bad things come off <laughs> of this radio show. Ever, dude. Ever. 
ever. And Regime's from the East Coast, right? So he was he was sort of trying to make light of it, but he's like, dude, this is why people from the East Coast do not move to the woods in Montana. We do not deal with these spiders. I'll admit, being a Montana guy forever, I, I don't know if this was such a thing, Tommy. Have you had, it, have you had arachnophobia forever or what? Oh, yeah. I, have n- I want nothing to do with spiders. And it goes back to when my parents were building their house. They, they poured out this entire basement concrete thing. And then what happened was within a couple of weeks, the thing was just overrun with these, like, tarantula-sized hobo spiders. And I can't deal with them. My cousin Colton is cool with killing the hobo spiders. So oh, my man. dad said, no matter what, I'll give you a dollar each for every spider that you kill in this basement. Colton walks out of there the next day with a $50 bill. And <laughs> wow. That... Ever since then, man. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I just, I'm totally psyched out hearing about this. I know you're moving on, but I had to chime in and say, man, Regime, <laughs> I am so sorry. You're literally living a nightmare, man. I hate that. Anyways. Have a good show. More Ozzy Osbourne for days. Keep it up. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. Tommy Evans killing it for us, as he always does. Tommy's going to be contributing a little bit more to the show as we move into the summer months as well. Big shout-out to both Reese and Tommy. These guys, behind the scenes, was a little broadcasting company. We have four sister stations, the Trail 103.3, Jack FM 105.9, 104.5 The U, and then 102.9 ESPN. Locally owned and operated, very proudly locally owned and operated, but... There is a lot that goes into radio engineering. It's one of the things that has uh, been eye-opening and fascinating for me. I am so glad that these guys work here because I couldn't fix one damn thing that breaks here if it wasn't for these guys. But they've been going up to our tower site up on Dean Stone Mountain, and they've been tinkering around on stuff for forever. We're talking months and months and months through the winter, in the snow, all of it. And they had some big breakthroughs. I can't even articulate it or actually share with you what actually they fixed, but they fixed a lot of stuff that makes us sound better and look better and all that stuff. So it, big shout out to those guys. They deserve all the credit, the MVPs behind the scenes that make guys like me and you sound good, which oh, is man. hard to do at times. But I would equate it to like a chemist or a physicist winning the Nobel Peace Prize, but you don't know what they really want it for or just it's a long list of things that they're they're putting together and behind the scenes. That's what Tommy and Reese do. That's exactly right. So shout out to those guys. I'm happy you guys got a breakthrough. That'll then make everybody around here a little bit more free, and that means Tommy can come on and tell spider stories a little bit more often here on Nuanas Now. Here's what we're going to do. Because I know Tommy's listening because he just called, we're going to obey him, and we're going to go to a break so we can get our last break in in a timely manner. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas. More FCS playoffs and more NFL draft right after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Happy Monday, everybody. 
doesn't really feel like a Monday today. Besides the fact that we did the Montana Football Hour here on Duanas Now. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. Joining me, Coulter Nuanez. Thanks to all the people that have been contributing to this show. It was a little bit of a stressful situation when my former partner in crime left, but it's gone better than I ever could have imagined. It's been very fun. I, th- I hope everybody out there is enjoying it, but it's been very cool to sort of have different sports perspectives. I know Tutel and I had a, a great thing going on. I mean, he's my brother, so I can just blatantly talk smack to his face, and that's easy. And he's also such a caveman that it's so funny. I hope he's listening on the live stream as he makes his way to New Orleans. That's where he's going next. <laughs> With the, the traveling adventures. We're, we're going to start doing uh, a day in the life of the gypsy on Fridays with Regime because Regime really wants to get this the lowdown on, on uh, Tutel. But anyways, Riley, Sean Rainey, Kyle Sample, Regime Seabrook, Chris Redpath, uh, everybody that's been contributing consistently, you know, Mike Nugent, my brother Brooks Nuanez. It's been awesome. It's been super fun. And uh, I, I think it keeps it fresh, too. I mean, it makes me have sort of a, a new pep in my step every day because, like, Riley hasn't been here for a long time. So that's what I want to ask you right now before we get into FCS playoffs, some more about that because I know we just kind of just dissected and uh, demeaned Eastern Washington. I want to get a little <laughs> You're bit... never getting a drink bought for you and Cheney, and I'm probably not a dog to eat. Uh, well, you know, maybe Davey, Dave Cookie will buy me a drink. He's, he's a good, he's good And buddy. Larry Weir. And, of course, Larry, Larry Weir, voice of the Eags, for sure. Always. Um, regardless. Uh, I want to ask you, though, about the Grizz, because you were uh, gone after we saw right. the, the second performance of the Grizz. And so... I'll just open the mic. Your your impressions of what you saw in Montana's second and final spring football game against Portland State. I've got to go back 30 seconds before I continue on here. I love the variety that you've got on this show now, and I think that's what you're you're hinting at. And for me, for someone that listens to the podcast, maybe kind of all at once, there's times I'm like, okay, I want to see what they did the first hour on Wednesday and the second hour on Friday. And, and so it's great. Some variety standpoint, you're doing an awesome job. It's been great to listen. My take on the Grizz... I know from my perspective that some people think that I might just drink the Kool-Aid because it's offered to me a lot. I promise you. I also don't let him drink the Kool-Aid as much as he would like to. Thank you. And I promise you that this is not one of those situations. I think the Grizz are ready to compete for the national championship. I really do. I, I think that the last two plus years, and I say plus because the plus is a big factor in this. Two years on the field, we saw the progress, right? We yeah. saw what there was in the cupboard for year one, how they changed to year two, made some waves. But then that plus, what just happened in the last six months, this team got bigger. They did. They got better. Yep. Nastier. Yep. And their one unit. They are on the same page with pretty much every aspect you need. And I think they have the right mindset now for Coulter, all of those Montana teams that we're talking about in years past. So I thought they were solid around the board. I didn't think they were sloppy in any category that you they maybe weren't. thought they were they should be or supposed to be. I only noted, I noticed more depth at the twos and the threes than I did deficiencies at a position. That's the first time in my five years of doing this that I can say that with Grizzly football. My biggest question mark might come at kicker, and I think that tells you all you need to know right now. I, I was overly impressed. I had high expectations going in. I was overly impressed. I think this is the top two to three team in the big sky, and, and seriously, they are in my top five in the country preseason poll in August. Defining what it takes to be a true national championship contender in this era of FCS football is so weird 
Because to be completely honest, only two iterations of the last nine years of James Madison has been a true national championship contender besides North Dakota State, and no one has been a national championship contender Period. There's been a lot of teams that have been contending to be semifinal teams, and I think that's exactly where uh, the, I mean, the Grizz, the Grizz were right there last year in that sort of you know top eight, got a seed. They played another seeded team in the quarterfinals. They lost to Weber. A lot of circumstances went into that game as well. But give Weber all the credit in the world for winning it. But still, and same with the Cats. Like the Cats were a, a Final Four team a year ago, and they were in that same little group. But that group is a group of six to eight teams, and that have been a couple common faces and a couple non-common faces over the last eight or nine years. Uh, you know, Eastern Washington and James Madison are the two most familiar faces in that group. Illinois State was there for a minute. I don't really know why they took a step back. Um, South Dakota State. And South Dakota State has been sort of consistently in that mix as well. And then you've had others that have sort of risen up here or there. Uh, you know, your Kennesaw States of the world, they had a little flash. Sam Houston, Northern so, Iowa. Sure, sure. I think for sure the Grizz are ready to rise to the top of that group. I still don't know. And again, I know that NDSU, regardless of what happens this spring season, they've looked a little bit more vulnerable than they have in the past. That said, they're going to get the quarterback thing fixed because I think that they're, I mean, they brought in a Virginia Tech transfer. They did that before the spring season. He wasn't able to get eligible. So I think that they'll have a solution there. And I also think that, you know, it, it is, it's just really hard when you're coming off of what basically, I mean, Trey Lance might be the number three overall pick. That's a pretty huge deal to have to restart from that. It's I know they've had guys drafted in the past, but it hasn't been the guy who was only a freshman. Like They haven't had a one-and-done guy. No one in the FCS has ever had a one-and-done no. guy. It's a completely unique situation. But then you also talk about they had two offensive linemen that are going to be... I mean, Dylan Radunes is probably going to be a top 40, 50 pick. I mean, he's going to be one of the three or four first offensive linemen taken. So... Um, those they'll, they'll have those parts figured out. But I'm not here to, to analyze all that. I think that the Grizz, the place that they took the biggest steps were in... A, and I said this... Uh, I can't. I, I, I got so mixed up. I did so many radio hits that week. But I said it somewhere in the world. But I'll say it again here. I thought that they have become elite at attitude, execution, and attentiveness. What I mean by attentiveness is... You can, and people always ask me, why is Bobby Houck such a great coach? You can talk about game planning and scheming and in-game adjustments and talent and recruiting and all that. The number one reason why Bobby Houck is one of the best coaches I've ever been around is he does not accept little errors. You must do everything perfectly. And if you don't, it's hell to pay. It's not just like, oh, we'll go get them next time. It is a standard of the program to be excellent at all times, no matter what. Even if you're just the kickout block guy. And that shines on special teams. Absolutely. I mean, they were tossing guys into the sidelines. Malik Flowers Malik was. Malik Flowers was tossing guys. Yeah, Jackson Lee was great on special teams. That is a microcosm of, of the resurgence of Hauk, is watching them cover kicks or block for kicks. You can see everything I'm talking about in that element. Everybody's doing their job perfectly. So in that element, I think they've taken the next step to truly be a national title contender. I think that the, the things that are just slightly missing in terms of personnel, and they could come along in the form of f- further physical development, or maybe they go get a guy or two, regardless. They fixed it on the back end. That's huge. They have four corners who are legitimate players. That's big time for their scheme. I, th- I still think that they need to take another step on the offensive line. I think that they're good, but they need to be elite if they want to truly compete with North Dakota State. I think their skill position players will give them uh, an advantage against everybody. 
But I think that they need to take one more step at quarterback, one more step on the offensive line, and if you, I think that they have great depth on the D line. If they had one just badass mean guy to play on the inside, that could be the one thing that could change their defensive scheme. Do you think that player's on the roster right now, or do you th- are you saying that's that they need to a, that's, go that's get good, him? Well, see, that, and that's what I'm saying is is uh, Alex Governor is a tremendous, tremendously talented guy. Could he be the guy that goes from good to elite in this next offseason? Is he ready to take that step now, or is it going to take a year? Eli Alford is very talented. Is he ready to be? Because right now I see Alford as a guy that has all league potential. Not he's not an all league player yet. He, he has the potential. Could he do it? Could he take the next step? I, I mean, I think that all these guys have the ability to. So I don't necessarily think you need to go shopping, so to speak. I just think that uh, if they could be, if they could get, it's my estimation that to win the Big Sky Conference, you need between eight and ten surefire first team all league players. And I think, but and to get to that, then you need to have twenty guys that are sort of in the mix to be that. And I think that they have. Probably 15 or 16 of those guys. Maybe 17. I think they're just a couple guys away from that. I think when you go by position group, and this is a fun exercise we had within the department of, okay, what's your, what's your takeaway? Defensive line to me, depth. Linebacker. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.